Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. We are recording this on December 28th, which means the Thunder's prolonged, extended, historic seven-game homestand has officially come to a close, and we're coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, the first road trip we've been on in about two weeks. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Speaking of which, we've got a guest with us today, Mr. Matt Pinto. Perfect time to have him join the TBU crew today. We got to talk about the homestand. We got to talk about the defense that the Thunder's been playing recently. And of course, some pretty impressive performances by none other than Shea Gilgis-Alexander. But first things first, Matt, thanks for taking the time. I know we just got off the plane from Charlotte. <laughs> it's a long flight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great to be here. It's great to be with you guys. My first question is, we know the Thunder has never had a homestand that long. Have you in your career ever had a homestand that was seven games? Can you recall one? I, I don't. I recall some road trips that long <laughs> yes. being on either coast, uh, because when you're on either coast, they send you out and you don't come back for a while. It's awesome to be in the middle of the country. And I think, you know, that sometimes for players that haven't played on either coast, they need to really appreciate that. Yeah. It makes a big difference. It, it does. Well, and especially around the holidays. I yeah. was going to yeah. say the same thing, but yeah. just for this homestand to be as long as it was, and then everybody just got to be home for the holidays. I, that's just so, I feel very rare and pretty special. Yeah. And, and, you know, with this team in the midst of what it's in the middle of right now, we know that the Christmas calendar is pretty clear the day of, but yeah. never know around it. And when the, the schedule comes out, everybody's always looking there. Yep. And to be home for the two weeks, it was like, wow, I had to double and triple take uh, yeah. in, when it came out initially. Yeah. Well, how was your Christmas? Did you have a good Christmas? Really good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really good. How about you guys? Oh, it was great. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. Did two, nothing for two days. <laughs> two young kids. My my daughter's two years old, so Christmas just magical right now. Yeah. So it's uh, it was really great. We, we yeah. did a home gym this Christmas for the family. Uh huh. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how long it took to put. The- <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, like, I was like an actual home gym. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. Quasi home gym. So <laughs> my son is 14 now. So it's like he's all okay. about, I need to get workouts yeah. in. So it's like, okay, we'll do that and keep you under the roof. How about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I'm just yeah. imagining a Rocky montage happening at the Pinto household. <laughs> I literally yeah, envisioned yeah, yeah. like monkey bars somewhere. Yeah. Like I'll, over t- I'll tell you what, there were some tools being thrown at some points <laughs> yeah. putting together. I can promise you that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, yeah, this homestand was just full of so much action, not just during the Christmas, you know, three days of uh, without a game but also the fact that six out of the seven home games were decided by two possessions or less an average of three points deciding those games the thunder ultimately finished that homestand four and three a winning winning record on that homestand but matt those close games it was like if you showed up to paycom center during this homestand you were in for a treat it was just Good game after good game after good game. It was possession basketball, which as a coaching staff, I'm certain it's a dream to have happen because with a young team to have them developing in that scenario with the level of competition, needing to execute possession by possession to value each possession, I think it was an extraordinary opportunity for this young team to learn. And there were a couple of hits that they took early in the homestand. Mm -hmm. Miami and Minnesota both beat them by a couple of points delivering on last second shots, uh, executing maybe at a bit higher level. Then the Thunder rebounded to win three in a row, knocking Portland off twice. Shea Hero on one of those, and the other, it was a defense that really mm-hmm. was the calling card for the Thunder, winning the stretch 8 nothing uh, to pull that out by three points. Uh, they had the San Antonio game, which was the outlier yeah. in yes. the bunch, and the Memphis win, which uh, facing the majority of, of tough 
Grizzly players, Thunder pretty much dominated throughout the course of the game, wound up winning the game by six. Uh, but that's another lesson because down the stretch, they probably took the foot off the gas a little bit mm -hmm. and a veteran team made them pay to let them know you, you really can't afford to do that. Matt, speaking plainly, this type of stretch with this many close games was not something that was happening the last two seasons for this young OKC team. Mm -hmm. This is still the youngest team in the NBA this mm -hmm. year, the second youngest in NBA history. But what are you seeing from this group, just given your experience of seeing teams kind of at every different portion of the spectrum um, that's allowing them to to be in this types of games? And, and is this a signal of something that maybe to, uh, is, is good to come? I think, you know, the, the simple answer would be there's a feistiness about this yeah. group of players. Mm -hmm that the competitiveness has certainly risen. I think the talent level is higher than it's been in the last couple of years in general. And when you have players like Kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala who are binders, what I mean by that yeah. is they're glue players at both ends of the floor. They make a difference. They get loose balls. They set picks where they need to be set. They're able to come up with uh, defensive stops at critical junctures of games. And you have the luxury of Shea Gildas-Alexander who can create a shot and get into the lane virtually at will. And he truly can. I mean, three straight years now leading the league in drives. Uh, those are all luxuries to have, and those are difference-making elements in wins and in scenarios where even when you're down 20 at some point in the first half, you know this team has that rallying cry mm -hmm. and has that DNA with the coaching staff making the adjustments and this team buying into those adjustments and executing in real time those adjustments, which is pretty extraordinary. I'm going back to something that you mentioned, and I think it's so important. It's the the value of every possession, the, the lesson in that that this team is learning, especially during this stretch of, of close games. It's easy to, to see the value in every possession when every possession matters. It's down to the last five minutes, and now it's just a possession game. But when you, you know, zoom out and you look over the course of a, you know, an NBA season, you know, Every single possession ultimately does matter. It's just harder to tell. But being able to be in these games teaches yeah. you that lesson, <laughs> kind of the hard way, really. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say you got you got to eat your broccoli, but it's another when you got when you're actually playing and you're trying to be at your peak yeah. performance. And if you're not eating right, then you're going to feel it the next day. It's kind of mm -hmm. similar with the situation where you know if you're not playing a sport and and um, you know you you're just not in a in a competitive environment like sure you know it's easy to take a possession off mm -hmm. maybe once in a while but like in these situations no possessions off some of these games have just felt like they were in crunch time for the entirety of the exactly. game exactly yeah, yeah. It, it, 14 games decided by six or fewer two possessions six of the last seven have gone that direction mm -hmm. there have been 23 clutch games meaning final five minutes mm -hmm. being determined by five points or fewer that leads the league and this team has played five overtime games i mean yep. you couldn't order up a better initial what 33 34 games for a young team to develop and sort mm -hmm. of get thrown into the deep end of the water and let's see how you handle these challenges yeah, exactly you know? so the interesting thing is yeah the thunder went through those stretches this, the, the first six games of that homestand where it was just clutch game after clutch game crunch time after crunch time and then the San Antonio game happened. This game was very different, had a completely different tone than the rest of them because in the, the first six game, it seemed like the Thunder was rallying back from something, right? Like they, they got hit and they had to bounce back. They had to show that resilience in that fight that we've seen so many times throughout this season. In this San Antonio game, they threw the first punch. They had 70 points in the first half, and it was just – they set a tone from the outset, and it seemed like, Matt, they took some of the lessons from those previous six games and obviously the, the, the other clutch time games this season and said, all right, we're going to make it a, a statement here that – our focus is to come out to a strong start. Yeah, and I think complementing the rise defensively recently, mm -hmm. Mark Dagnall before the San Antonio game said, 
I want to see us really get after it offensively tonight. This is an opportunity. We want to elevate our pace. We want to be consistent in hunting good shots, not settling, being patient the way we attack this San Antonio defense. And for the most part, the team was with 70 first half points. The thing I loved about the game, though, guys, is that the previous game against New Orleans, Thunder were in a position to win in the fourth quarter. It didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Pelicans, to their credit, I'd executed them down the stretch, forced overtime, won the game by three. Same scenario against San Antonio a game later. Two-point game after three quarters, and the Thunder in the fourth quarter were relentless. Mm -hmm. They never took their foot off the gas, and they made it, in essence, a 20-point game at one point in the fourth, wound up winning the game by 16. I think that's applying learning game to game, which you can't ask for anything at a higher level for a team this young. And doing what you should do at home when you had three days off yep. is sprint through the finish line. And this team has talked about doing that. They've worked on doing that. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the best example that we've seen, particularly after – getting kind of knocked back in that third quarter, something the Thunder has not had happen to them at all Very this true. season. OKC's been the best third quarter team all year in terms of uh, point differential, one of the highest scoring teams in the third. The Spurs outscored OKC by eight in that third frame. They didn't let that knock them off their yep. game for the rest of the night. They actually responded in the fourth quarter um, absolutely phenomenally, plus 14 in the fourth, and really ran away with it. Yeah, the 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 resilience we're seeing from this group takes on a lot of different forms, whether that's rallying back from down 20 points like we've seen mm -hmm. so in this homestand by yeah, itself, yeah. or whether that's getting knocked in the mouth in the third quarter and having to maintain a lead. So we're seeing these lessons being applied from game to game, and it is, it's truly it, it's really fun and interesting to see up close. All right, you mentioned some defense. We've got more to talk about coming up after the break. Don't go anywhere. Coop Illworks is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites F5 IPA and 99 Calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLworks.com. All right, so one of the themes for the Thunder over these last five games in particular, at least from my perspective, is the consistency on the defensive end. And this is an area where the Thunder has always wanted to hang their hat. It's something that they really want to be foundational to their identity. And so far this season, it's fluctuated. It's gone up and down as most young teams go through. But over this last these last five games, it seems like this team has found a little bit of consistency into how they want to play stylistically on the defensive end. It just... Just the, the little, a couple numbers here. So in their last game against San Antonio, 10 blocks and 10 steals for the group. And then over the last five games, they have the fifth best defensive rating, and they're four and one over that span. Matt, I'm curious what you've seen from this group over that span on the defensive end of the floor. Attention to detail. I, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, coaches talk about it all the time, but when you see the shell intact, on the defensive end of the floor, meaning there's connectivity, there's communication, there's a help side available right. when an initial defender gets beaten off the dribble. That's the way it's structured. But in the sea of an 82-game regular season, sometimes habits fall by the wayside, and it's difficult to correct those with the volume of games being played. I think that there is a stark difference right now in the way this team is defending and the attention to detail that we're seeing. Yep. And I, I look, I hearken back to Shea again because 
when your best player is willing to give the effort he's giving defensively, it rallies guys. It inspires guys. Last night, or against San Antonio, four block shots, a couple of steals. It's not just those plays. It's others that he's making. He's staying right. in position. Uh, he's able to stay in front of guys that in the past, frankly, he has not been there to do. And it makes a difference because I think the guys around him recognize he's giving the effort. If he's giving it, then they certainly can. And I think right. that makes a big difference. Shea, top 10 in the NBA in steals and blocks combined. Yeah. Mark Dagnalt says, hey, with a guy that's playing this volume of minutes, for us to have the defensive rating and the metrics that we have, he's got to be doing something right on the defensive right. end. And he's certainly doing more than just a little right. It's not just the those kind of catchy numbers, the steals and the blocks. It's the positional things. Uh, something You were talking about the fundamentals, Matt. And a play that stood out to me from last night's game was very simple. A quick-stepped closeout, high stick hand by Trey Mann on the wing, stopped a three-point shot from either being able to even be taken. And so just some of those little moments when you're in the shell and then you're firing out to just limit a look and have to make them make the next play. I think that possession um, either ended up in a, a late clock heave or ended up in a shot clock violation. And so those are the types of plays that really flummox the, the opposition. It's interesting, too, because Shea obviously has to be a tone setter for, for multiple reasons. The Thunder doesn't have a traditional rim-protecting, just big, bruising guy at the rim. And yet, they're one of the better rim-protecting teams in this league. That comes down to just straight-up mentality, right, yeah. and, and want to and focus. And Shea is obviously a catalyst in all of that. But I think about a guy like Isaiah Joe, who's willing to step in and take a charge at the rim, one of the smallest guys out there on the floor, or a guy like J-Dub diving on the floor for a loose ball to save it, keep it in bounds. Like, those sort of plays, it, it, it all comes down to kind of mentality for me versus – uh, versus the, the X's and O's, for especially for this young team. And the fact that a lot of these guys consider themselves positionless. Mm -hmm. They've been drafted that way. They've been cultivated to play that way. And you see it. This team leads the league in guards blocking shots. Right. So they know nightly that they don't have necessarily the height to deal with some of the opponents they do or the girth. At this mm -hmm. point, a lot of these guys are still developing physically. Mm -hmm. So they know they've got a collectively community rebound. They've got to be intact defensively in order to get where they want to get. And look, the ultimate goal here is sustainable, high-level success. And in order for that to happen, the foundation's got to be laid. It has to be on the defensive end. Right. Defense travels in the NBA. It travels in any sport. But if you're up and down defensively, we've seen it from some teams this season. San Antonio, a great example uh, in the game uh, that ended the homestand. They don't defend consistently, and as a result of that, you're not going to outscore teams every night. It's not going to happen. So the Thunder, I think, are really wise in the way they're going about things. These guys are buying in. I even think about the point that you're making on a macro level, too. So we see the shift in how the NBA game is being played where bigs are spacing out to the perimeter, and it's actually smalls like – Jalen Williams, who are playing around the dunker spot. Well, the Thunder has taken that into account, and they've gone out and gotten big guards. Mm -hmm. Shea, Josh, yep. J-Dub. These guys are 6'6 six, six or above. Lou Dort plays big. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You forget that yeah. he's like yeah. typically the shortest guy <laughs> right. in the starting right. Right. Yeah. And so what do you have, to your point, Matt, about the guards' blocks? When you have smalls that are actually playing lower on the floor, you've got guys with size down low that can give you some rim protection. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas, you know, other teams who are playing, you know, smaller guys down low, not to pick on anybody, but I think of a team in Charlotte who the Thunder is about to face in Terry Rozier. If you have that guy down on the block, he's not going to be generating that type of disruption at the rim that the Thunder has. On top of that, OKC has done a better job, as you were saying, in the shell at the elbow spots, as, yep. as opposed to allowing teams to get all the way downhill to yep. the rim. Yeah. There are less of those 
you know, meet me at the bucket moments that right. the Thunder's even having to deal with in the first place. Every team in the league will tell you what we want to do defensively is invite non-paint two-point shots. Right. And the Thunder have the structure to have that happen, but it's up to them to execute it. And they're mm-hmm. doing a much better job recently. Another thing, when it, when it comes to just having like big guards, and I'm thinking of through this uh, through the lens of a point guard right now, if I come down the floor and I just see like straight up arms <laughs> in every passing lane, I mean, literally the yeah. length on this on the floor for the Thunder at any given point is very disruptive for a defense. And you think of a guy like Shea, we keep talking about him because he, he certainly is all over the floor defensively. He's top 10 in the league in deflections per game. And so it goes to show that this group is really bought into, I don't necessarily have to get the steal or the block or, you know, something that goes on a stat sheet. If I just get my hand on the ball at the yep. very least, that can be disruptive enough to, to cause something to go in our favor. And this team's leading the league in charges drawn, leading mm-hmm. the league in offensive fouls drawn. They're two different things. People hear that sometimes mm-hmm. and they think immediately it's charges. No, it's being in a position where you're trying to be wedged off a ball handler by a guy setting a pick. Mm-hmm. And if you're angled in the right way, he's got to move. Yeah. And that draws those offensive fouls that Lou Dort's been exceptional at. But this team creates possessions with its defense for the offense. And when you're playing the pace they're playing, you can see how it all fits together. You really can. Matt, I think about the turnovers that this Thunder team is forcing. Many of them, these hustle around the screen Mm -hmm. turnovers, but also the steals just being long and in the passing lanes. And kind of reminds me of as the Thunder climbed that mountain for the very first time, you know so well, the length just overwhelmed teams. And it was not necessarily the, the aggressiveness or gambling on defense, but purely being in position and being in the right spots on the help side you're going to just get balls thrown to you because of all that pressure. Yeah, and being in the right spot, alert, off the ball, I think that's part of the fine-tuning that goes on from a coaching standpoint. That, again, the biggest thing to me in the time that I've been in the league is seeing how this team has totally bought in. It's selfless basketball. It's the recognition that the guys that are calling the shots are putting you in position to make the plays because I've seen instances where – there are plays called in huddles that are not executed yeah. coming out of the huddles. This team is bought in, and we see them executing at both ends of the floor. And that can't be understated, I mean, or overstated. Yeah. It really can't. Yeah, bought in 100%. And since we, we've mentioned his name so many times in this conversation, <laughs> let's just dive into our conversation about Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Obviously, continuing his incredible season so far, not just on the offensive end, but also on the defensive end. Nick, you mentioned top 10 in steals and stocks and deflections. (laughs) I mean, literally, you name it. He has one steal and one block every game, basically, this season. And then he also is continuing his consistent streak of just high-level scoring at all three levels at the rim. Very judicious about his shooting behind the arc, but when he shoots them, he shoots them at a pretty decent clip and then also really strong in the mid-range. Uh, uh, he had a career, new career high, 44 points during this homestand as well. Matt, when you, when you look at Shea and when you look at what he's been able to accomplish is, over this season, what, what stands out to you the most? One is humility. Yeah. I think that he really loves the game. He's a student of the game. He is a total sponge to get better as a player. And he really, without saying it loudly from the highest mountaintop, wants to be the best player in the NBA, wants to be the best player in the world. Some predecessors that have worn Thunder uniforms have spoken similarly. Shea's cut from that same cloth. And we see the continued evolution of his game. Mm -hmm. And we see how he's risen on the defensive end of the floor. But I look at this right now. 
The month of December, there's not been a single player in Thunder history that scored more points than he has in the month of December. We know the litany of yeah. Thunder past players and Hall yeah. of Fame players, yes. ultimately. So that speaks volumes. Every coach that comes in speaks in glowing terms about Shea because they see the way teams load up against him. Mm-hmm. He lets the game come to him rather than imposing will. And because of the unique skill set he has, the way he's able to manage and not ever be hurried up getting downhill to attack and set up teammates, um, he is as dynamic a force as there is in basketball, bar none right now. And I'm including Luka Doncic in that statement. Yeah, Matt, I love the point that you just made because as we've been talking about Shea, his scoring to me, in a sense, kind of runs in the background. And what I mean by that is it's not domineering. It's not Mm -hmm. um, possession binding. It's just... In the flow of what's going on, we saw him uh, at the beginning of the second half of that game against New Orleans. He scored on back-to-back backdoor cuts in right. just ways of, of getting into the flow of the offense without having to stand out and pound mm-hmm. the ball. And that's beautiful, not just for him and the myriad of ways that he can score, but it's good for the team, too. And I think he understands very innately his position within the team construct and how pivotal it is for him to be dialed at just the right pitch so that when his scoring happens, it's natural and it's causing other scoring to happen around him too, not just servicing him. Yeah, we talk about how big of a catalyst he is on the defensive end. When other players see how hard he's working, Mm -hmm. they feel like they got to do the same Mm -hmm. thing. The same is true on the offensive end. Shea leads the team in points generated by assists. That's that's something that speaks to just the theme of this team overall. It's move the ball to find the best shot. The best shot could be Shea's shot. It could also be a backdoor cut that leads to a Jalen Williams layup. Like it, it can come in any form, but as long as the team is trying to find the best shot, that's the goal overall. And Shea is, is the leader of that, and he's really set the tone for the team offensively. The other thing I love about him that I want to share, because I know we're running short on time, is the inbounds pass he received against Portland with the game in the balance, the score mm. tied. He read every defensive possibility before he made his move. It was a decisive move. It was away from the possibility of a double team. He takes that shot frequently during practice sessions and when he does his own drill work. And it was like a layup for him, a Mm 15-footer with – clean airspace in front of him, nobody really contesting. And Justice Winslow is a really good defender. He attempted to recover to get in his face, but Shea got it off quickly, and it's a buzzer-beating jumper. But he spun away from any possibility of a double team. That's just a high level of intellect, a high level of basketball IQ for a guy that studies the game at a really high level. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. We shouldn't. Yeah. We really Mm -hmm. shouldn't. We we need to value and appreciate that. Matt, Winslow is no slouch. (laughs) Shea took one dribble. And separated by what yeah. five feet, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. there was no chance of a contest on that shot, and a wide open. And Shea, with his length and his ability to get off the floor, it seems to me his elevation on his jump shots is as be- as high as it's ever been. Um, and so he's he's getting clean look after clean look. He works on that shot yep. every single time <laughs> yep. he steps onto the floor. He told us like, I only shoot shots that I know I'm going to be taking yep. in a game. And that's such a good point, Paris. I'm so glad you brought that up because in that Portland game, Shea got off to for him, a pretty horrific start. Uh And the point that he made to us after the game was, I didn't try to force anything. I didn't go outside of myself. And the the discipline, for a guy who's making an all-star case, to not want to go out there and think, well, I, I have to get to 30 yep. tonight, or I have mm-hmm. to, you know, I've got to make my my presence felt going up against Damian Lillard head-to-head. There was none of that. There was no forcing the issue. He didn't take a single shot that was outside of his repertoire. And I think we've seen that most 
in how judicious he's been on that step back three. Mm -hmm. He took a lot of them last year. He has been very, very uh, just selective mm -hmm. in terms yeah. of which ones he's going to take this year. You mentioned discipline. I'll mention another word, trust. Yeah. He trusts his teammates. Yes. Yeah. He recognizes when he's being taken away by an opposing team's defense and it takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of manpower. He's got guys around him that are going to support him. Mm -hmm. And it's a total team concept that he's completely with. And if there are going to be two people on him, somebody's open Absolutely. on the floor. And he trusts every single person yeah. that is out there on the floor with him. Nigel, you mentioned something earlier. I think it's very interesting. All-star voting. Huh? huh? <laughs> what? Oh, what? How did that happen? All-star voting is now open. You can vote Shay into the All-Star game and you got to go to NBA.com slash vote, or you can vote on the NBA app. Be sure to have an NBA ID. You can create that at NBA.com slash ID, and voting is now open. And uh, one of those triple vote days is coming up soon. New Year's Day, January 1st, is the next triple vote day. So mark your calendar, circle that, go to your NBA app, and vote for Shea to the All-Star Game. All right, let's give you a look at as to what's on tap for the Thunder. We're in Charlotte right now because the team plays the Hornets tomorrow. <laughs> After that, they go back to Paycom Center and this homestand, this, this is the only one-off trip really for the yeah. past two weeks. The Thunder's gonna wrap up the 2022 year at home against the Philadelphia 76ers on New Year's Eve. That's gonna be inside of Paycom Center. We'd love to see you there. And keep an eye on those triple vote days. They're coming around the corner really quickly. All right. That wraps up today's <laughs> podcast. Matt, thanks so much for joining Great us. To be here. Always thanks, a pleasure yeah. getting a chance to talk to you. And thank you so much for watching and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer. And until next time, Thunder Up and catch you later. <laughs>